Hey, this is Brenna Blaine, and you're listening to... Can I say that? Hi everyone. This week on the show, we have Brian Dillon uh, sharing his story as a gay Christian and talking about the importance of having meaningful relationships with those you disagree with. Uh, So Brenna, obviously you chose this topic intentionally. Uh, So what have you seen in non-affirming churches that made you want to pursue this as the second episode of the show? Yeah, um, I think that a lot of non-affirming churches are really good at being just that and saying, hey, we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. But then they say that and then we never really hear how to foster a relationship with those who think differently than us. And I think we are still supposed to have relationships with people who think differently than us Um, or else how else are we supposed to share the gospel really honestly and so I think it was that and then I think also the lack of of communication about how to foster relationships have turned I think some people maybe maybe more on the far end of things I've come across people say you know, I cannot have a relationship with someone in the LGBTQ community because after I tell them how much they're sinning, they don't want to be friends with me. And that made me take a step back and say, well, wait a second. Like, I know you have friends that you go to church with that are probably um, living a sinful lifestyle in a different avenue. Maybe that's sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or something Um, And they're so willing to continue that relationship and not, most of the time, not brutally remind them of their sin. Whereas with strangers who identify as LGBTQ, um, I see people on the internet, I see people outside of churches picketing, and I've had personal conversations with people um, say, so, yeah, it's my, it's my first and foremost duty because I love the Lord to tell them that they're sinning and that they need to change. And I think what I see in the Bible Jesus doing is I see him winning people over with love first a lot of the time, not all of the time, but I think we see this great example of you are unwanted, you're on the fringes, so come and eat with me, come and sit with me, come and have a relationship with me before he teaches what he's about. Um, and so I think that's our job as Christians. And so I want, I wanted to get the perspective on the other side because I am a non-affirming believer. I want to hear an affirming believer talk about how to pursue a relationship with people you disagree with. Yeah, that's good. One of the things that I was thinking about when we were having a discussion with Brian, um, is that I, don't want to coerce someone into belief uh, that I don't want to kind of twist someone's arm into mm. agreeing with me or um, agreeing with how I interpret scripture or anything like that. I think of uh, in Acts talking about Paul sharing the the gospel and, or teaching the Bereans and how it said every day they went to the scripture and tested what Paul said mm-hmm. against scripture to see if it lined up. They and that was like so, or uh, that was a good thing, I guess, the connotation yeah. of them doing that, and that they really had their own faith, that they didn't take anything, they didn't just, oh, he knows more than me, I'm just gonna believe whatever he says, but they actually looked at God's word mm. and found the truth there and didn't blindly accept anything, which kind of also makes me think that, think back to something I learned 
early on in my faith that I can't be Holy Spirit to someone else, that uh, I can't actually change someone's heart. Sure, God can and often will use us Mm. to share something with someone else that he will use to to change their heart, but he's the one changing their heart. I'm not. Um, And more often than not, if I am trying to say something to convict someone's heart, like that's something I'm trying to do, it's usually just going to come off as shame. um, Mm -hmm. And that's probably going to be the output because I'm sort of trying to play God at that point, which, you know, I guess the other scripture that makes me think of is in uh, Corinthians, how it talks about uh, Paul is writing the church in Corinth and saying that, you know, one plants, one waters, but God causes the growth. Mm -hmm. I just need to, whether I'm quote unquote planting or quote unquote watering, it's actually God that's going to change their heart and that I just need to be in their life, actually have these ongoing conversations with them, not even necessarily about this topic, just as in having conversations with them and being in their life. And uh, I don't need to pretend that I can actually change them. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, more often than not, there's things in my walk, like with someone else, I think I even need to change something about them, mm-hmm. not talking about this specific topic. Oh, no, God actually wants to use that, and I just don't see the way that he's trying to use that. Mm-hmm. Or um, When I was, I was also thinking what you were just saying, talking about you know, people feel that it's their duty to continually sh- bring up... Uh, people's faults and yeah, sins, yeah, people's right. sins. yeah. But we're so inconsistent about it. Um, like I think about uh, we we've you and I, Brenna, have talked about divorce. Jesus talks about that in Scripture, and how he very clearly talks about it too. It's not even like in some abstract parable or something, but says if you get divorced, you're committing adultery, and if you get remarried, you're committing adultery. And in some of the some of the gospels, Jesus precedes that statement by saying. Um, like you can't get divorced except for the exception of committing adultery, like mm-hmm. sexual spouse, immorality. Yeah, sorry, yeah. that your spouse is cheating on you. But there's still no clear. It's not. There's not even a distinction. Like, but if that's the case, then you can get remarried mm-hmm. and it's fine. He just says, okay, there is one ground for divorce, mm-hmm. but there's no ground for remarriage mm-hmm. without committing sin. But that we, I mean, I can't. I don't think I've ever in my walk been at a church where during the sermon they actually talk about that maybe in passing that yeah you shouldn't get divorced or something but we don't we as christians just kind of are either blind to it Mm. or we just it's not really important to us and usually if we are talking to someone who has been divorced and remarried yeah our response if anything is grace like oh that's a really complicated situation Mm -hmm. oh i feel for you you know there's so many moving pieces whatever but we don't respond with that same type of grace to someone who uh, is living out um, a life of homosexuality, Mm. Um, which is not me saying we shouldn't care about either, but just to say we need to be consistent if we're going to say that I need to bring this up about some person. We'll make sure that you're also bringing, like, talking to people about everything. Yeah, Jesus look, says. if you're going to buy one poster board to write God hates gays, you need to buy a second poster board that says God hates remarriage. 
How, how about no poster boards? Listen, these Michaels is gonna go out of <laughs> business if people aren't angry. Uh, well, you know, Jesus. Or says, homeschooled. Or homeschooled. Yeah. No. Ah. Uh, Those crafty women. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also, it's interesting that we so often as Christians point to homosexuality as something that's, you know, quote-unquote, ruining the sanctity of marriage, Mm -hmm. which, regardless of whether that is true or not true, um, it's such a significantly smaller percentage compared to divorce Mm. uh, in the 2015-2016, so a couple years old. But the stats of polled adults in America, 75% would... Um, call themselves Christian, and we know that about the divorce rate is at or above 50%, um, and that that rate isn't much different for Christians. So we can say 35% of the population are people who call themselves Christians who have been divorced. Mm. And also in 2015-2016, only 4.5% of the U.S. population, um, at least of polled people, Mm -hmm. um, would call themselves LGBT. And so we, we point and point and say, you're ruining, you know, legalizing gay marriage. You're ruining the sanctity of marriage. Mm -hmm. Well, what about the number that is almost 10 times higher that are Christians (laughs) that are getting divorced, which Jesus says is not permissible except for one niche situation. And either way, you're not supposed to be getting remarried. I think the point of everything you just said really is that we still have a lot of heresy in our lives and our heresy affects people because heresy is not loving, even though sometimes the way we act, we think is out of a place of love. My friend Lauren always says it's, it's that person's biggest fear that someone would ruin the sanctity of marriage by engaging in, in a gay marriage or that someone's biggest fear is that um, their kids would disregard and abuse God's temple by engaging in doing drugs or drinking or whatever. And I think it's super clear in the Bible that when we're walking with God, we no longer have to respond out of a place of fear. So I think all that to say, I'm really excited for what Brian has to share with you guys. So let's take a listen to how can Christians lovingly engage with the LGBT community and individuals? Hey guys, uh, it's Brenna. Because of course last time I didn't say who I was and you all got confused. So it's me. And it's me. Hi, I'm Brian. (laughs) So Brian is our guest today and then Austin is also here with us. And Brian and I, we actually grew up together. Yeah, we met, um, I I was thinking about this earlier today. We met when we were like 11. Mm -hmm. We think that's about it That sounds like the right timing. Based on our haircuts. Yes, exactly. And pictures. But we got, we became a lot better friends and a lot closer when we were like 7th grade. Middle school, yeah. In fact, Ryan and I went to camp together. Uh, It was an overnight camp. Mm. And we were in the show High School Musical together. It was a summer camp. It was a summer camp, yes. Right. And I was like, I think Brian likes me. I should tell him I like him back. So I was like, Brian, I like you. And Brian was like, oh, that's so nice. I like Lindsay more. 
Mm, yes. That, so that's a good. I, I did say that. In the face of heartbreak, <laughs> we can still be friends. Well, and we are friends. So you, yes. were, you, were, you were miles ahead of your time, yes. I guess. And something else about Brian is that he is not a flatterer. Like, you're a sweetheart. Like, with your mm, words, you're very thank you. kind. Thank you. And I remember one time we were at an opening night of a show together. Oh, yes. And this is embarrassing for me. <laughs> <laughs> and we both were not in the show. And so I was dressed up, and he was as well. And he was like, Brenna, you look very beautiful tonight. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. But he didn't stop there. And he went on to say, Brenna, you look very beautiful tonight, just like your mom. And then I was like, okay. And my mom was obviously so happy. But I was like, what does this actually mean? <laughs> so Yes, and in retrospect, mm-hmm. me and my youth, <laughs> I probably didn't realize that that was... Um, not the kindest thing that I could say, but my intentions right. were there. I they truly were was like, yeah. oh, and... <laughs> yeah, and Austin and Brian knew mm-hmm. each other yeah. back in the day. What did you I knew do? Austin before you knew Austin. Which yeah. is very so, strange. Yes, that's very, very true. Your senior year yes. and yes. my freshman year, um, so that was the only time we were in school together. Yes. It's a pretty small school, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my graduating class was like 120 or something like that. It's pretty small. Yeah, so pretty small, especially for this area. There are obviously smaller schools out there, sure. but it was pretty small. So we knew each other, but we also were on a uh, swim team together. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we were. So um, before we jump into like the heavier questions of our topic, Brian, can you share with us about your relationship with God growing up and the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I grew up, that was really high-pitched, yeah, but um, <laughs> I grew up in the church and around the church. My uh, my family, it's, it's me and my brother, and then my two parents, um, uh, and I love my family. We we all grew up going to church, uh, or me and my brother grew up going to church, mm-hmm. but neither of my parents did when they were young. Okay. So they both found um, Christ later and, and dedicated their lives to Christ when, when they were like in their young 20s. They actually were going to a church in the Vancouver area called Crossroads, mm-hmm. and then they were a part of like 10 other families that broke off and started a little church called Summit View. Um, So way back when, and I think Summit View is about to turn 26 years old, I think. So yeah, my parents were there at uh, the beginning and my brother, my mom was pregnant with my brother at the time and he was the second person to be, second baby to be dedicated to the church. Wow. So just because it was, you know, that. So that's, um, my family has always been a part of Summit View and when I was about seven, I, I can't remember exactly when, but that was when my dad left his field of work that he had been in uh, since he graduated college and became a pastor at our church. Um, and so I grew up as a pastor's kid. Mm. Well, and then towards the end of middle school, I think, my my mom became uh, a pastor at our church as yes. well. Yeah, so I... Uh, I grew up in the church and I loved the church and I became a Christian when I was um, like five years old mm-hmm. and, you know, prayed a certain prayer. Yeah. Um, of course, didn't didn't really know everything that it meant, but I knew that there was a man named Jesus who was God's son. Mm-hmm. God was our creator and Jesus was sent to die for our sins mm-hmm. and sacrifice, uh, giving the ultimate sacrifice so that we can one day live with God. And, and so... I knew that that was the the nutshell, and that's what I understood, Mm -hmm. and then um, the Bible stories uh, we would learn. But I grew up, like I said, always always going to church. It was really when I was in 
you know, middle school or high school when I realized what it really meant. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until college where I realized truly what it meant for me Mm -hmm. or meant in my life. Mm -hmm. I think one thing about growing up as a, as a pastor's kid or growing up in the church, even though you may have personal convictions about um, the religion and about faith and you, you, you may wholeheartedly believe it's not until you become an adult and mm-hmm. move away that mm-hmm. you choose to make it a part of your life. Yeah. Uh, because at that point you, in part you're, you're living, you know, your parents faith mm-hmm. because they're the ones that take you to church and it kind of revolves around that. And mm-hmm. a lot of functions and group functions were in our church. I went to the middle school youth group, high school mm-hmm. youth group, camps, uh, and all that jazz. Um, but again, once I finally left, that was when I got to make decisions for myself. And that's when I chose to dedicate my, my life to, yeah. to the Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I did go to a private Christian college right. in California. So I moved away. I went to Azusa Pacific University mm-hmm. and was there from what, fall of 2014 to when I graduated in, um, spring of 2017. So these days, um, it's been different for me. Mm-hmm. I came out to my family in 2016 as gay, mm-hmm. and and that's been made it a little bit different. Mm. Um, and I felt like the the home church that I grew up in, and mm-hmm. that I still call my home church because that's where I was really born and raised, and had a lot of family connections. Mm-hmm. It's it's different, and yeah. it's it's a little bit. Um, sometimes it's tough to mm-hmm. to um, go there and be at the church mm-hmm. at the church building. That doesn't mean that I've given up my belief in God and in um, in in my Savior. So I, I think this would be a good place to interject for everyone listening here that Brian and I sit on different theological sides of the table. So Brian mm-hmm. would be affirming and believes that the Bible um, leaves room for you to live a gay lifestyle and still follow mm-hmm. the Lord. And I would say that it doesn't. And the reason why I want to point that out is, one, because Brian and I are still good friends. Obviously, we're sitting here today. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But also, more importantly, I want whoever is listening, wherever you fall, to know that you are represented either in my voice or in Brian's voice. And that this... Or somewhere in between. Or somewhere in between on the scale. And that this conversation isn't a fight, isn't an argument, but it is to create room to see if there's a bridge that we can meet on Mm -hmm. and how we can meet and how we can talk. And so I'm really excited and hopeful. So I want to say if you're like listening to this podcast and you're steaming right now, keep listening because I really think there's something important in this podcast that you need to hear. So you can totally disagree with me. And I think that we can still have uh, a conversation. So if all is said and done by the end of this conversation, I hope we can just encourage each other to yeah. continue to live and, and be in each other's lives. So the topic today is how can the church better love and engage with the LGBTQ plus community without fundamentally agreeing? But first I want to ask, do you think that's actually possible to have meaningful and rich relationships with people that you disagree with on such large levels? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do think that you can have meaningful relationships. And um, I, I do want to preface by saying that I am here to 
share the truth that I know from mm-hmm. my life and my life experiences, mm-hmm. um, as are you, uh, because we all have different perspectives and realities mm-hmm. in our own lives. Uh, and I can't speak for others. So I can't speak for, um, everybody on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm me, I'm, I represent maybe the G of that, mm-hmm. of that, um, acronym, mm-hmm. but you know, I also just represent myself. So, yeah. um, but I, I really do think that anybody can have a meaningful relationship, uh, a true and meaningful relationship with somebody, even if you disagree on something. I think where some people disagree with that, mm-hmm. um, off the bat, it's because it seems like it's not one thing or one issue. It seems like it's a bigger deal. And it is, it's a, it's something that is a part of my life. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not just a. It's not just a theological disagreement. Yeah. But it's something that is a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a big part, uh, or big reason why others out there maybe think, well, they disagree with a part of my life. Therefore, I can't have a conversation with them. And I'm speaking about people of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say, well, well, they disagree. And, 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 and so I don't need them in my life because they disagree with this big part of me. I think that's unfair, not just to, uh, to Christians out there mm-hmm. that have a theological difference, but there are lots of religions who might not agree or, or don't condone homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, just shutting somebody off and shutting somebody else and their uh, existence away from your life, I think there's there's some problem with that. Um, mm. And and there's going to be hurt involved in that in your life, um, whether it's family members or friends that you've grown up with that you uh, will end up leaving and, and uh, breaking down bridges. Can you tell us a little bit about how that has looked between you and your parents' relationship? Yeah. Um, you know, in my life, uh, whenever I think about the church, mm-hmm. I think about my parents. I can't not think about the church and also think about my parents because a lot of my, uh, upbringing in my, my experience in the church, um, are with the two spiritual leaders that were in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they, uh, have helped me, you know, find my faith. And I know that I, I'm thankful for them and I'm, I'm thankful because the person that I am today is, uh, definitely, because of them and, and what they did for me and mm-hmm. the sacrifices they made for me. So, um, but that being said, we don't, we don't agree. Mm-hmm. We don't agree on this, on this issue. It was, you know, everybody has, everybody that's gay has their own coming out story. And mm-hmm. mine, um, uh, my story was that, you know, I was, uh, I was safe, mm-hmm. uh, but it was uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> I was, I wasn't in any danger, mm-hmm. which isn't the, uh, isn't the case for a lot of people, or I should say there are a lot out there that um, maybe aren't safe mm-hmm. or, or um, don't come from a place where they could even share mm-hmm. that. But um, it was definitely hard for me to share. And I think maybe I had this notion beforehand that, oh, my parents don't agree, but when they find out that I'm gay, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to be different or think differently or something's going to yeah. change or they're going to... But <laughs> that was uh, an incorrect assumption. Mm. <laughs> and that wasn't... Um, that really wasn't something that I should have expected from them. I shouldn't have expected them to all of a sudden change this sort of, this change their belief on something. Cause, um, that can't just happen. 
sometimes through life experiences, people do see things differently. And, and, uh, but in terms of my parents' theology, that wasn't going to change. Um, so especially that, that first year after, after, um, sharing with them, uh, I, I knew they would have to take some time to, um, process mm-hmm. this new information. Um, both of my parents were, were surprised and, and some people think that's silly because some people think, oh, well, wouldn't you know? Um, and there are other people that I've told in my life that are like, oh, well, we always knew, mm. but my parents weren't, were not some of those people. They were, they were surprised and they had to take, take some time to deal with, uh, deal with, like I said, this new information that was coming their way. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't want to share too much of, of their story, mm-hmm. but after I told my dad, I told them separately mm-hmm. after I told my dad, he didn't talk to me for two weeks straight. We were, mm. we were together in the same house and he didn't talk to me for two weeks straight. Um, but in his world, he was fearing that he was going to say the wrong thing. Mm. Um, and so that was some time that he needed to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom had questions, but would dance around and not, not feel like she could talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or she was going to, f- or she felt like she was going to be, um, not understood when she would ask her mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that first year was, was, was pretty tough, mm-hmm. but, um, through that healing process and through that time and, and through the time that they could, uh, process, we, we've come to realize that we choose to be a part of each other's lives mm-hmm. and we, we want to maintain that and continue that in the mm-hmm. future. And we want to become uh, closer as, as adults now that they have a grown child, um, that they're, not being introduced to, but mm-hmm. they're, well, I guess, what, what am I trying to think of? They're getting to know me as an adult, which is yeah. different from um, um, them knowing me as their the child. Oh, yeah. definitely. Um, so as they're getting to know me as an adult, it's it's different. It's mm-hmm. different than it was before. But mm-hmm. we have an option that we can shut each other out of our lives, mm-hmm. out of each other's lives, or we can continue to be a part of each other's lives mm-hmm. while we disagree. And mm-hmm. I'd rather choose the latter. So And it's more rich, yeah, to I think so. Have each other. I want to have them in my life. Mm-hmm. I do. You know, when when you get married to somebody, it's for better or worse, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm not married to my parents, uh, and they do lead, lead different lives. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we we uh, choose to continue to love each other mm-hmm. uh, in spite of mm-hmm. our differences. I I think of even just Christ and myself. Like there there are plenty of like choices I have made in my life that Christ does not agree with like I have done things that were sin and things that otherwise God told me to do something and I was like nah, 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 didn't do them but even though there are choices that I have made or like things about me that perhaps God disagrees with he still chooses to love me mm. and like chooses that pursuit and so it seems like a lot of times when we think of love we don't think of it as a verb of like it's something that you choose to do, like you choose the other person, like you're talking about marriage. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a lot of times, at least seemingly, even from someone from the outside, when we see um, interaction between someone who would identify as gay or lesbian or the whole list, anywhere in that spectrum, um, someone who is Christian, on both sides, there's there'll be people that just kind of put their hands up and are like, well, I don't know how to disagree with you. I don't know how to interact with you. So I'm just going, it's easier to choose to not love that person in the sense of a verb of like pursuing relationship and that connection. I can, I can only imagine how difficult Mm -hmm. that was for you in that first year of 
not knowing where you stood and not knowing what the future mm-hmm. looked like. Mm-hmm. So I'm very glad that it sounds like it's much better after that first year. So what are some good experiences you've had in the church um, or around Christian community being gay? And what are some bad experiences you've had? That's a good question. Um, you know, in the process of coming out to my, my family and those in my church or those around me um, and in my life, something that jumps out is I've had some conversations with some people that are very close to me. Um, and I understand that their intentions were pure. Their intentions were good. Mm-hmm. That what they wanted and they felt like they were supposed to do and share was really from their heart. And when I, you know, take walk a hundred a hundred feet back and take you know, uh, take a look at it and mm-hmm. really tr- try to get an outsider's perspective, I can understand. Okay, their intentions were good, not bad. Mm-hmm. But I've had people come up and have a conversation with me about conversion therapy, mm-hmm. and that's 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 pretty hard to. Um, to, to take, to accept from somebody. I struggled for years with this looming thought of, oh my gosh, somebody's going to find out. Oh my gosh, I, I felt this guilt mm-hmm. for being gay. Um, and, and I didn't even know uh, fully, you know, who I was or, um, uh, or what I was. But um, there was always this um, looming fear about what if somebody finds out. And it took me being able to accept myself mm-hmm. and, uh, and be confident in myself to actually come out. Um, and so after having done all that work and, um, I, I actually had gone to therapy before, mm-hmm. not specifically because I was gay, mm-hmm. um, but just working, you know, in confidence issues and things like that. I, I, I can now tell you, I, I'm a gay man and, and I can tell that to my friends and my family. Um, and so then for somebody to, have a conversation with you and say, oh, well, we think that you should X, Y, Z. We think that you should, you know, shut this down. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they see that I, I've, I've, I've had that thought before. Is mm-hmm. that something that I'm supposed to do? And, and I've kind of come, I've come to the conclusion that that is absolutely not what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's not a healthy um, thing for me to do. Another kind of more the negative side or negative experience is kind of that phrase that you hear, um, love the sinner, hate the sin. That is, again, that's, that has good intentions. The purpose is, oh, I want to live amongst these other people. And even though they have shortcomings, um, in their, in their mind, they, they have shortcomings, but I want to live amongst them and love them. Mm -hmm. I think the perception of that comes off, um, differently than, than is intended. Uh, because again, it, it, it kind of speaks this, this voice of hatred of, of, oh, I, I don't, uh, I, I like everything about you except for X, Y, Z. And, mm. and we don't do that with anybody in our life except when it comes to homosexuality or, or somebody being gay in my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we only do that when it seems that, oh, they are, they're quote unquote, choosing to love somebody mm-hmm. that they shouldn't. And, and I just don't feel like that's appropriate to call out in somebody um, about about somebody's quote-unquote sin. I want to ask you something about that. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of conversations that I've had with non-affirming believers mm-hmm. um, that don't believe they can have rich relationships with mm-hmm. people on the LGBTQ community scale is they'll say, if I'm truly loving them like Christ loves us, 
I need to be brutally honest with them and tell them of their sin. And for me, I'm thinking you have to know most of the time that people don't agree. Like, is I don't think it's this thing that you constantly need to be reminded of that. So my question is, like, what do you have to say to that? Like, what's an answer to that question? Yeah, well, it's tough. Uh, even in, in Christianity and in, in our church relationships, um, there's a little bit of a dichotomy that we are supposed to live um, with each other in fellowship mm-hmm. and um, live amongst other believers. And part of that is so that we can help hold each other accountable. But then it's also biblical that it says, Austin, you know, we were just talking about this. It says, how can you take the speck out of your brother's spe- eye when, yeah. there's, a plank when in there's a big plank in your own or a big log in your own? And that's, that's so true. Uh, there's that kind of that dichotomy, those, those opposing um, statements right there, even in just um, church relationships. But I think it's okay to have a conversation about homosexuality or about somebody being gay, if you, even about you disagreeing with them. Mm-hmm. But in order to have an effort or in order to make the effort in continuing the relationship, it's important to be able to just listen to mm-hmm. the other side. And be able to have meaningful questions, um, not pointed, mm. not trying to force somebody to get to see your side and make sure they, uh, at the end of the conversation, believe you mm-hmm. or agree with you, but be able to just have conversations. But then, you know, after you've discussed it, you can let it be. You, you don't have to continue to harp on the same thing. Maybe another co- conversation arises a while down the road, mm. but if you disagree, you disagree. And you can still continue to have a meaningful relationship In the meantime, after disagreeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times when we have conversations, um, there's this, like a subconscious almost goal in, in mm-hmm. mind of like, it's really not a conversation, it's actually a debate. And like, I, I have to win the debate. And by winning the debate, it's you, like, as someone who is perhaps a non-affirming believer, I have to get you to agree with me and believe that what you're doing is sin and until, and I have to keep doing that and keep doing that until you finally hypothetically come to that point or perhaps the other perspective, someone who is uh, an affirming believer or someone who is themselves gay or on the spectrum to say, I I have to uh, get this person to believe what I, what I believe. And you, you kind of touch on that when talking with your parents of you saying like, believe it was with your mom mm-hmm. um i feel like so much freedom and just realizing like no a conversation can be a conversation it mm. doesn't have to be getting this person to have the same view as you but just to connect with this person and actually stop thinking of rebuttals and just listen to them and let them be heard mm. i think there's like a lot of love in that really you're you're valuing what this other person has to say and what they their actual feelings not just their arguments or your own arguments yeah, the church that I grew up in was a or is a non-denominational evangelical church, uh, and and the evangelical part of that is all about promoting God's kingdom mm-hmm. and trying to see it grow. But what evangel- <laughs> evangelism is not about making somebody agree with you or mm-hmm. believe with you or become a Christian. You may have people in your life and you want to share with them, right? Yeah. Well, there, there's kind of some similarities there. You can't force them to have a relationship with God. Well, you can't force somebody else to think the same way you do mm. theologically. 
um, if they do, or maybe you, you share with them and they hear something new, uh, you have, you have something new or, um, you just want to have a conversation and share, share kind of your thoughts. I hope that everybody can, can listen together, Mm. Uh, but there shouldn't be this, this forced obligation to agree with you. And on that note, like, what are some good experiences you have had with the church? Yeah, I, I have had so many good experiences, positive experiences with the church. Um, and, and when I think about, it's not specific examples mm-hmm. of me being gay that, oh, this was a positive because I'm gay mm-hmm. or, or there was, it wasn't something like that. But just in general, after coming out, um, the fact that I've still been invited um, to to go to church or church events and mm-hmm. that people have allowed me to still continue to seek the Lord mm-hmm. and, and, and whatever that looks like mm-hmm. in, in the church building, mm-hmm. uh, but absolutely amongst all the other believers. That is, is something that shows me that, Hey, li- life's going on and, mm-hmm. and, um, there's, there's something beyond me coming out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's super positive, but I don't think that everybody gets that. Mm. Um, I don't think that everybody gets the opportunity after they they experience or after they come out or mm. something. Uh, maybe they feel they probably feel rejection mm. by the church in some aspect. But continuing to invite others and mm. allow them to be there and to listen to messages, mm-hmm. even if it's a non-affirming church, mm-hmm. that's still so important. And and holding up a sign outside your church that says um, <laughs> uh, God God hates. Mm-hmm. gays or something like yeah. that um that closes the door to somebody's yeah um uh, maybe future of being able to ask mm-hmm. questions or seek seek god mm-hmm. so so just because someone comes out especially if they've grown up in the church or grown up as mm-hmm. a christian it wouldn't be um or it would be alienating mm-hmm. to say they're gay now or they're lesbian so maybe you know let's just not talk about church let's not bring it up let's not invite them that's a complete mm-hmm. opposite of what should be going on I think so. What do you think? No, I think I think that's important to hear as a non-gay Christian. Mm-hmm. Because for me, with my friends, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I want to hang out with them. Like you and I, right? Mm-hmm. Like the last yeah. time I saw you, I was like, oh my gosh, like we went to church together. Yeah. Like you should also come to church. And you did. Yeah. And I think for me, I was like, I was nervous to ask you because mm-hmm. I didn't know where you stood with the church. Mm-hmm. But it makes so much sense that you would want this, not even just normalcy to continue, but mm-hmm. this sense of still being invited in mm-hmm. to what you've always been invited into, mm-hmm. especially how we see God work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he's always inviting us in. I think if we see God always inviting us in, then we have to ask the question, like, how can non-affirming churches do a better job of engaging with the LGBT community while can, still... Can I, can I ask you something while we're, while we're on that? Yeah. Can I ask you something? Okay, so in, in your perspective, mm-hmm. uh, well, sorry, in my perspective, I, I feel like there's there's a sense that, oh, well, we don't want gay people at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't, maybe I'm not, maybe that's not the heart or the... the what people might say that are come mm-hmm. from non-affirming churches, but even if you theologically disagree, mm-hmm. isn't it the role of the church to invite others and, and share others that are seeking seeking the Lord? Absolutely, and I think for some reason we have singled out this, like this sin that we believe is sin, and said, 
Um, come as you are with whatever, but this, you need to know, you are a sinner, and it would be really great if you, like, we just, there's this, like, hounding, I believe, and what I've seen from churches, um, and I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say this is all non-affirming churches, because I have seen some non-affirming churches engage really well, and graciously, and I think kindly, and have, and foster really, um, deep, and meaningful relationships with the LGBTQ community. But I think overall, especially in in America, um, the mindset of a non-affirming believer is you need to come to terms with your sin first, and then we can talk about relationship, or then we can talk about sharing a space. And so for me... Is it kind of a mentality of um, before you come... You have to admit that that you are doing something wrong, and then we can share with you. Or I think specifically for um, LGBTQ believers, so people who would say, "I live this lifestyle, and I also am a follower of Christ." Mm-hmm. Then there's a lot of people that say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Pump your brakes! You cannot do that." And there's n- and they don't see a possible way forward with that at all. Mm-hmm. And so, my question is, how do we Get, how do we get out of that mindset? Mm-hmm. Because I think the really the primary job of the church, we're supposed to invite people in to see what God is all about. Who is God? Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. what are we in community? Um, and, and yet, when it comes to our LGBTQ neighbors, we somehow pause at the thought of, I just want to invite them in so they can know God and be loved by God. And, and there's this this weird like wait 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 can I do that actually mm-hmm. so in your opinion what are some ways that the church can can work on on inviting and having that non-confrontational mm-hmm. conversation maybe at, at the start yeah um great question that's tough and that's you know I wish I had like this great answer but um I think when we say the church, Mm -hmm. I think we have to realize it's the church body Mm -hmm. uh, and not the building or not just the pastors, but um, those that are around you and those Mm -hmm. that you love and and that are in your community, (laughs) not everybody in the church should be, you know, required to go out and find somebody that is gay, find Mm -hmm. somebody that is of a different religion, find somebody that is something, but those that are in your, um, in your community, um, if you truly believe that it's important for you to share and um, uh, promote God's kingdom mm-hmm. uh, by sharing the gospel, uh, don't segregate who you invite, mm. uh, and don't don't um, pick and choose. Well, I think this person should come because um, uh, I don't know the church kind of people. Mm. Uh, but then also, you know, don't um, only invite those that you think are living a dark path mm. and need the church more than yeah. others. Um, just invite the people that you know and love that are in your uh, day-to-day life, whether it's in your work life, whether mm. it's in um, uh, community groups or, or, you know, other activities that you're involved in, mm. um, friends of your of your kids, um, their their parents, their families. Um, mm. Just be, don't, don't make church an exclusive club. Mm. And I, I think maybe a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking, well, do they even want to be there? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, and that's, there. you know, there are some people that the idea of church mm-hmm. 
is, is they just shut down when they mm-hmm. hear the idea of church. And there's a few reasons for that, right? First of all, there are some people that, um, especially those that are, that have been, or that are in the LGBTQ plus community, um, that maybe they grew up to church and they have been hurt by the church. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a lot of people who have been hurt by the church. Um, there's also people that have never been to church, mm-hmm. know about God, know about Jesus, know stories because, um, the, you know, they've heard them over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're shut, they shut away the idea of church because their perception of church or Christianity mm-hmm. uh, has, whether it's been influenced by the media, whether it's been uh, influenced by other people around them or whatever those perceptions are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people that, uh, uh, have never really actually don't know this, um, stories of the Bible or really don't know, you know, what the gospel is all about. Um, and with all of those three situations, mm-hmm. I think the best thing you can do is be a positive person in their life yeah. and, 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 and if you're going to promote something, be an attractive form of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to change what you believe to mm-hmm. be able to be uh, a voice of, of love and, mm-hmm. and of um, compassion so that you can be that for somebody else. And do, do you have an example of someone who isn't stepping aside from their beliefs, but is still an attractive person of mm-hmm. what the gospel promotes? I think my parents do a good job at that. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, they, and this isn't just supposed to be a conversation about, oh, me and my parents. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be, you know, the church and the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. community. But a lot of my experience, again, I'll reiterate, has been uh, around the church has been, my parents are woven through that right. tapestry. Yeah. They're always, you know, open to, to having conversations and ask questions and then, you know, continue to invite me mm-hmm. and, and, and bring me along with them and drive me and, and uh, or pick me up or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. And you, and you would say you feel seen and heard by them instead of maybe you yes. don't feel like a, a punching bag for their Yes, I don't feel like they questions. are. Um, although we have conversations and my mom will say, and you know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree or I don't agree with um, X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. but that doesn't seem to affect um, the ability for us to go to church together. So. Mm-hmm. Also, Brenna. But you don't have to B, say me. B. Come on, B. I mean, just being able to um, have this conversation and invite me to do something like this. And uh, we've continued to have conversations about, you know, where does it look or what, how am I doing personally mm-hmm. um, in, you know, looking for a church uh, that I want to go to uh, if I don't want to go to Summit View mm-hmm. or, or the church that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that look like? And continue to be a voice and, um, you know, pursue that, that question and bring up church without forcing a theological view. And I have to say, too, as a non-affirming believer, I think I could start crying right now. It means so much to me that you you didn't cancel me out of your life, as the language mm-hmm. you would use, because I don't yeah. agree with you. Like, that means so much to me that we can still have a relationship. I have a question. Um, I'm picturing someone in your position. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, we were at church... Together a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Um, when you're at church, like on a Sunday or whatever, in our case, on a Sunday morning, um, do you feel like you need to be on guard or do you mm. feel um, like you have to be cautious or something mm-hmm. when you're yeah. at church doing that? Or what, well, what's you know, that like? that's a really good question. Um, 
I would definitely say that a lot of times somebody that might be LGBTQ plus, they're going to the church. Mm-hmm. And if they're at a service, they may feel uncomfortable, probably because they feel like they're being judged. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, if you take a step back, you realize, you know, you, you personally have to do this and it's, and it's hard. Um, that judge, judge, feeling like you're being judged, there might be a lot of people around you and everybody's looking up at the, at the pastor Mm -hmm. and, and, and nobody's really even thinking about you. I mean, (laughs) I think sometimes we internalize some things like, Oh, did somebody look at me? Did somebody, uh, maybe they're not. Well, that's, that's definitely something that you might have to yourself be able to cross over and realize, (laughs) uh, and, and I think I found this out more as I've become an adult and, you know, started to mature into who I am today, that more often than not, people don't really care that much about you, uh, to be thinking about you, um, all the time and every day mm. and, and be nit- nitpicking. Mm. Um, and so I, I do think that some of that is not warranted. Some of that feeling of shame that um, somebody is, you know, that you're always being judged when you're mm-hmm. at a church. A lot of that is unwarranted. Now, there are some times where you might have confrontations with people because they um, they feel like they have to come up to you and say something to you. And, you know, the, those maybe are never going to stop happening um, mm-hmm. or in future generations because, again, people will always disagree with you. But um, I think uh, that's not a reason to... to cancel something out of your life Mm. and and you know you have to understand that maybe you are going to come across that but um and those are more specific examples rather than when you walk into a church everybody is judging you Mm. do you and it's fine if you don't but do you have any maybe examples of where someone has said or done something that has made you feel comfortable and like safe at the church and you were able to put your guard down or at least an idea of what that might look like or for someone like myself like who wants to make someone feel at home and safe and not have to feel cautious yeah anytime you can go and have a normal conversation with somebody Mm -hmm. those help tear walls down okay um some people say um you know oh great way to to you know, break down barriers is through comedy, right? So that's a lot of comedians maybe touch on controversial issues because Mm -hmm. that's, well, also just having a normal conversation with somebody and being able to speak and especially in a church setting. Mm. Oh my gosh, that, that is more than, than you might think. Um, just that feeling of being welcomed helps somebody break down their own barriers and their own guard, uh, helps them break down their own guarded heart, um, and, and break down those walls. Instead of being like, hello, hello, I, uh, nice to see you on this <laughs> I church didn't know day you would Sunday. Be, you'd be coming. Yeah. Hello, you I are comfortable? Know. I mean, not that you wouldn't be. Mm. That was so much funnier in my head. I'm so sorry. So I guess um, before we close, I do want to ask, do you have any encouragement for anyone who identifies as LGBTQ um, who is choosing to pursue going to church or being in a Christian community? Yeah. Um, there are going to be people in your life that disagree with you. Um, disagree with you, disagree with um, the life that you live, mm. disagree with the um, maybe decisions that you make that have nothing to do with being LGBTQ plus just mm-hmm. other decisions, right? Right. Um, and so there will be people that disagree with you. Don't 
use that as an excuse not to pursue a relationship mm-hmm. with God or pursue a relationship with the church mm-hmm. or pursue a relationship, more importantly, with others mm-hmm. around you um, just because they disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there are always going to be people, that's the reality. And so there has to be some form of compromise. Now, it doesn't have to be a compromise of your own beliefs. That's not what I'm asking. And that's not what, you know, the other side might ask. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the compromise of maybe we can spend time together and we have a conversation and we don't, maybe we don't have to talk about Mm -hmm. our our issues or our beliefs this time. Maybe we can just have a dinner together and enjoy Mm -hmm. each other's company and talk about life and have those normal conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, The other side is to be able to listen and, um, not deny somebody else's perspective Mm. because they're, I think people try to be good and, and, and honest and truthful. Um, there are reasons that they believe the things they do and to be able to hear their perspective Mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. Honestly, if I can sit in a room with Calvinists, then anyone can do anything. I roast Calvinists so much (laughs) on this. I need to, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. God ordained me to say that. Boom. Roasted. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show, Brian. It means so much to us. And Mm -hmm. I think, I really think that this podcast, I think God's going to use it. Mm -hmm. And I I think he's going to encourage a lot of people. And I think he's going to challenge a lot of people Mm -hmm. through the words that he gave you today. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard or want to know more about our podcast, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Can I Say That. That's where you can find what our next topic is going to be, who's speaking, and a lot more about them. We also invite you as an audience member to be a more active part of this conversation by participating in polls, answering questions, and even sending in comments and messages. Fair warning, though, some of them can be kind of frustrating. But please don't let that keep you from engaging, learning, and pressing in. After all, that is what the show is about, asking Christians hard questions. So please come and join us.